Hello, listeners. This is Dave Carls, got your regular host. I wanted to give a quick update before we started today's episode. I'm very excited to announce that our firm, Fovia, was recently acquired by the national firm Brailsford and Dunlavy, headquartered in Washington, D.C. Brailsford and Dunlavy is dedicated to leading the planning, development, and management of the places that shape and strengthen our communities. My business partner, Rob McKenna, and I will continue our work with higher ed and corporate campuses in our new roles at B&D. Kaya Finlay will also make the transition with us and continue her role as podcast manager, but now with the full support of the B&D marketing team. We've got a full pipeline of shows in the works, and we expect regular listeners won't notice much change beyond how we introduce ourselves. Without further ado, on with the episode. Welcome to the Campus Energy and Sustainability Podcast. In each episode, we'll talk with leading campus professionals, thought leaders, engineers, and innovators addressing the unique challenges and opportunities facing higher ed and corporate campuses. Our discussions will range from energy conservation and efficiency to planning and finance, from building science to social science, from energy systems to food systems. We hope you're ready to learn, share, and ultimately accelerate your institution toward solutions. I'm your host, Dave Carlsgott. I'm a Director of Energy and Infrastructure Advisory Services at Brailsford and Dunlavy. And I'm Kaya Findlay, Podcast and Communications Manager for the Campus Energy and Sustainability Podcast. In this episode, Dave and I are taking the opportunity to share some of our, and your, favorite sustainability podcasts. You'll hear interviews with four podcast hosts, who will discuss their journeys and goals for telling great stories. You'll also hear a few podcast recommendations from other listeners. Our first interview is with Amber Artrip and Nate Nillis of the Modern Energy Management Podcast, who are our co-producers for this episode. We hope you enjoyed their insights and those to come later on in the episode. Well, Amber and Nate, it's it's great to talk to you. And I was excited to run into your podcast when you first started releasing episodes last summer. Energy management is certainly a topic near and dear to my heart. Uh, we do a lot of work talking around strategic energy management, at least as a concept. It's always the one of the linchpins of any great strategy. This has certainly been a reoccurring theme through our podcast, but as the name of your podcast would suggest, energy management is part of every one of your episodes, which I think is was pretty cool. So, you know, give me a little bit of the layout of your show and and let's go from there. Thank you so much, Dave. It's really awesome to even be invited onto your episode for the 20 podcast of 2020. You get to help create the list, so that's even better, right? Yeah, this is this is great. You know, we started this podcast because we have hundreds of customers who are doing really, really incredible work when it comes to energy management. And we believe that every single one of our customers is a modern energy manager. So we wanted to collect these stories of our customers who are doing incredible, awesome things and share them and give our customers a platform to tell stories that that they've learned in their journey to modern energy management and just give them a place to proudly share their work. So that's why we created this podcast And uh, it's really fun for Nate and I to get to connect with our customers every week, too. It's a great learning experience for both of us. Absolutely. And Amber, you know, just to add on that, you know, when I think about it, one was you kind of get to know the story behind the story, right? And in the lifetime of of what all these really interesting people have done. And and it really is a mix, as you mentioned, right? We have customers that are from our enterprise campus. So it's higher ed, it's corporate, it's CRE. There's a mix of partners that may be consultants or technology or design build. But I think, 
you know, I really wanted to have a forum where they could listen to new ideas. They could learn new tactics at their own pace. I'm a podcast geek and I listen to a million of them, but when I can go at my own pace and pick out gems that may, you know, be this breakthrough for me to do something a little bit differently, I thought it was a really cool way to do that in a very modern, if you will, uh, forum with podcasts, right? So, so it's been great. Well, your, your first episode, I have to admit, I was a little jealous because uh, that was somebody I was hoping to interview at some point. Um, Justin Owen from Weaver State, we've run into them at conferences where my business partner has and, and have always been really thrilled with how they've approached energy management. And we use that as an example a lot when we're talking with other clients. So thanks a lot for, for putting together, uh, I mean that both sarcastically and genuinely, for stealing a great idea. I also appreciated some, you know, some friends that I knew, like Jim Simon uh, is a good friend of mine from Gonzaga, and then and Debbie Shepard from Riverstone Consulting. So it's fun to hear their full stories. It's funny. Justin's the best. His specific episode was on the untapped potential for energy managers. That was actually his idea. We we took him out to dinner after AEE West last year, and he's so fired up because he's like. There's so many more things that we could be doing as energy managers, but we like to put ourselves in these little boxes and say, this is what we own. This is what we do. But, you know, he sees it in a very big, holistic way of of running the campus. That was a really great episode. I recommend tuning into it. It gets very technical, <laughs> but it was very good. I think the piece that I took away that was big, and, and he's a good example, so many of them have you know, where they've started. Now, all of them are getting a seat at the table, right? Whether it's at the board level, the CXO level, there is visibility to what they're doing at the very top of these organizations. And to see the traction that they've been able to get and then see these roles develop, I think is super, super exciting. And we talk about that a little bit in our kind of predictions episode coming up on, on some of the things we see, but, but that part is really great. No, it's interesting. I just got back from a conference in Chicago and one of the one of the people was talking and said, you know, it used to be that, you know, people would come into the world of sustainability or energy management and they were kind of lower level positions and kind of ignored. But anymore, and especially in, in larger organizations, you're seeing people that that the next logical move or eventual move for somebody in these positions is actually to run the business because they're having to like dissect the way the the organization runs in order to really fully understand how to leverage it. And so, you know, they were predicting that these are the folks that will be running these organizations, not just running the programs they're currently in charge of, which I thought was fascinating. A hundred percent. We had Jigger Shaw on our um, podcast last week, and he's one of the the co-hosts of The Energy Gang. And that was one of my big takeaways from our conversation with him is he said, you will begin to see sustainability leaders in the C-suite and as the next CEOs of major organizations. Well, great. Well, tell us how people can find you and and uh, how to subscribe. Of course. So um, our podcast is called the Modern Energy Management Podcast. It's available on all podcasting platforms. And you can check out our website at modernenergymanagement.co. We have a bunch of other great resources um, as well as links to find the podcast on your favorite platform. These um, topics, we believe, are, are continuing to hit home for our audience. But if there's any ideas, please reach out uh, as well for what you'd like to see in modern energy management, and uh, we will do our best to bring it to the program. Great point, Nate. Please email us at communications at lucidg.com. 
If you have a story you would like to share, we love to amplify great stories of modern energy management being executed. So please reach out. Perfect. Before we get into our next podcast host interview, we'd like to share a recommendation from one of our listeners for a podcast that takes a holistic look at sustainability and climate. My name is Spencer Turk, and I recommend the For the Wild podcast with Ayana Young. I love this podcast because in each episode, Ayana dives deep into a topic varying from conservation and climate solutions to spirituality and plant intelligence. Ayana interviews experts, visionaries, and activists that are working to rekindle our connection with nature and each other. Each time I listen, I walk away feeling more empowered, more passionate, and better armed to go out into the world and make real change. Thanks so much to Spencer for reaching out with this recommendation and for sharing a podcast that discusses how topics like race, politics, and sexuality intersect with climate issues. Now to talk a little more about podcasts in the energy realm is Chris Nelder of The Energy Transition Show. Chris is an energy analyst and consultant who started his podcast on the transition from fossil fuels to renewable energy in 2015. Here's Dave's interview with Chris on the story behind The Energy Transition Show. Well, Chris, I was trying to remember how I heard about you and your podcast, and I think it may have been back in 2015 when you were on the Energy Gang, but it may have just been that I discovered it through iTunes. I can't exactly remember. But what I do know is that at least since probably 2016, your show, The Energy Transition Show, has become a biweekly staple of my energy information diet, and I'm always excited to have a new episode pop up on my phone. That usually means my mind's about to be expanded, my assumptions challenged, my worldview reframed. Yeah, your guests are always a parade of the who's who in energy and, and economic and climate science communities. So it's great to talk to you and, uh, and share about your podcast today. Right on. Thanks very much for uh, having the conversation with me. Great. Well, would you please just introduce yourself and give us a little synopsis of the Energy Transition Show? Sure. So obviously my name is Chris Nelder. I am the uh, host of the Energy Transition Show. I produce the content for the show. My business partner, Justin Ritchie, handles the business side of things. And uh, I've been an energy analyst for, uh, oh, I guess about 18 years now. Uh, sort of a sixth career, I guess, for me. <laughs> <laughs> but Justin approached me uh, about, uh, I guess, about five years ago now uh, with the idea of, of doing the podcast because uh, I'd been a big fan of his podcast previously, the Extra Environmentalist podcast. And uh, we were both, you know, interested in the same kind of topics uh, on energy. The show itself really strives to cover all the topics that are in some way part of the big picture of energy transition or about the role of energy transition in combating climate change. We cover all the fuels. We go deep on the ongoing evolution of the power grid. We talk about climate science. Soon we'll be producing actually a new mini-series on the basics of energy to help people get up to speed because we've discovered that a lot of our listeners are, you know, they're lay people who are interested in energy and they're interested in climate change, but they don't really have a formal background in it. And they could use a little help sort of getting up to speed on some of the basic terms and concepts and that kind of thing. Well, one of the things I've really appreciated, and I also curse you on a regular basis because you've set the bar so high, is I remember sitting down with, with you for beer in Boulder a couple of years ago and asking you how much prep work you put into each episode. And at the time, you said something like at least 20 hours, if not more, per episode. Is that is that still true? 
Uh, yeah, it really is. Again, our podcast is the only energy podcast I know of that actually asks people to pay for it. So I figure ours has to be the only one worth paying for. Well, Chris, one of the things I've really appreciated about your show is, while you certainly have an opinion, sometimes you'll bring people on that have exactly the opposite opinion of, of you on a particular topic, or in some cases, you'll have one guest follow another guest, which take opposite perspectives. But it's always very civil and informative and, you know, mind expanding rather than adding to the ideological wars we seem to be living in these days. You started in software, right? So how did you get here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really started studying energy in the wake of 9-11, uh, actually. I was very curious about, you know, who is this bin Laden group and what, what do they do in the oil business? I didn't really know anything about energy or anything about oil or anything about any of it, really. So that was a subject that I started studying on my own time uh, when I was a software engineer. You know, I put in my 10,000 hours uh, proverbially and, and <laughs> studying this stuff over some period of years and, and finally got, you know, some literacy in the subject. And it it just, you know, was captivating to me as a topic. I've never run out of things to be curious about. Uh, the whole concept of energy transition as a way to address climate change and climate change as truly an existential threat to the species and to the planet has always been a very enervating thing to me. You know, it, it gets me out of bed in the morning. It feels like a really important task and it's so complex. It touches every dimension of human arrangements and society and, and and even just the way that we think and the way that we behave. I do let my curiosity guide me. I don't have, you know, some great master plan for the topics I'm going to cover or, or how the show is going to evolve or who I'm going to talk to. But you're right. I do, to some extent, try to bring in disparate voices, especially on topics that I think you know, nobody knows the right answer. And so, you know, it makes sense to bring in different voices who have different perspectives on a question. Like, you know, recently I did a, a three-part series of shows on, you know, the evolution of wholesale power markets. Nobody really knows what the right answer is there. You know, there's a lot of people grappling with it. Uh, it does make sense to me to bring in multiple voices uh, on those kind of questions, but it's not something that I do routinely. Um, I'm very aware of the sort of the false construct of balance to just say, oh, well, I brought somebody on who had this point of view about this topic, so now I have to bring somebody on with the opposite point of view. I don't do that. I do try to avoid getting stuck in my own bubble of thoughts and priors. I, my curiosity be my guide, I think. Well, yeah, that, that may have made the case for my next question, but um, you know, I know I've been listening to hundreds and hundreds of hours of your voice and asking these questions, which has been great. <laughs> so I suppose that's an endorsement enough, but can you help make the case for your show to our listeners? Uh, first of all, our show is largely created for an academic audience, and so most of our guests, in fact, are university professors. So sustainability and energy professors and administrators are part of our core subscriber base. We're really building that community um, around the show. So there are a lot of students who now have access to the show through their school libraries or the or the site license of their institution, and there are you know many more who will. There really aren't any good textbooks on energy transition. A lot of this stuff is new. You know, a lot of these professors are finding that they're dealing with some kind of new challenges here. Where maybe maybe ten years ago, if you were teaching energy, you were probably teaching it to a, a room full of science and engineering students. 
And now you're seeing a lot of people showing up from the liberal arts side of the house who are, you know, more interested in policy or politics or business, all sorts of other dimensions of what's happening in energy transition. So we really try to give professors who are teaching energy some material through the podcast that is helpful for them to teach the subject. We're also actually working on some new product offerings, which will be designed to help researchers find each other. One example of that is our recent episode 107, in which I talked with a researcher at Stanford University who's working to launch a new macro energy discipline, which is designed to help integrate the various areas of research and study that play a role in the energy transition with the participation of academic institutions all over the world, really. I I really want the energy transition show to help accelerate good transition efforts everywhere and help create a community of people working on transition because I don't really think it exists properly yet. And I really want to use the podcast as a platform to highlight some of the interesting implementations that our listeners are working on and promote successful projects and ideas that others can try to follow. Excellent. One of my dreams is to maybe be involved in a project that warrants being on the Energy Transition Show. But for now, I guess I'll have to settle on having you on our show. So thank you very much for your time. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Up next, we have another recommendation, this one from a grad student in Mississippi. My name is Corey Nadine Armstrong. I'm a graduate student at the University of Southern Mississippi, and the podcast I like to listen to is A Sustainable Mind. The reason I like this podcast is it covers a wide variety of topics, such as urban foraging, beekeeping, soap making, and the last one I listened to was Angel Envy Bourbon's Connection to Tree Conservation. The hostess interviews different environmental and social change makers, so you learn about the sustainability leaders, how they got to where they are, and what they do. A Sustainable Mind is hosted by Marjorie Alexander, who started the podcast as her master's thesis project. She found that in her studies, she was often one of the few young people, one of the few women, and one of the few people of color in the room. Her podcast seeks to expand sustainability conversations, to include these voices, and to make topics accessible to everyone. Thank you to Corey for this recommendation. Our next interview is with the host of not one, but two podcasts. Stephen Lacey is a contributing editor with Green Tech Media and the founder of Postscript Media. He hosts The Energy Gang and The Interchange, two popular podcasts on energy and clean tech. Here is Dave's interview with Stephen on the creation of these shows. Stephen, it's an honor to be able to talk to you today. Um, As I mentioned before we hit record, we're doing this episode to highlight 20 sustainability podcasts for 2020. Um, You have the distinction of making that list twice. I had already had both of your podcasts, The Energy Gang and The Interchange, on my own list. But as we were gathering recommendations from our listeners, we had a bunch of responses that went something to the effect of, well, of course, you've got The Energy Gang and The Interchange, and then they would go on to explain some other show. So needless to say, there's a lot of love out there for your work. But for the rare person who doesn't already listen to your podcast, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your podcast? Maybe we'll start with The Energy Gang. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Dave. Uh, I have been in the energy and sustainability podcast world for a long time. I actually got into podcasting in 2005 when I was in school and I started hearing about podcasts and the use of RSS feeds and you know using um, the iPod to aggregate audio shows and I started playing around with it and then I ended up getting a job with a 
business-to-business uh, -business publication called Renewable Energy World in 2006, and they were launching a podcast. And it was a pretty similar to the topics that you all cover and that we cover on the Interchange and Energy Gang, the business of renewables. Of course, the industry was way different at that time. It was so much less mature. People were just wrapping their arms around it. But we were convinced that this is where the money was flowing, and there were a lot of really interesting news stories, and people flocked to it. And because we were the kind of only show out there that was covering the topic, we got a pretty significant listener base very quickly. And that's how I cut my teeth in the audio world. I have a media production background, uh, so I ha have an experience in audio production and, and video production. Uh, but podcasting was new to me at the time, and this space has really evolved considerably since then. And so... In 2013, I hooked up with Jigger Shah, who I'd known for a long time, and he and I had been listening to a lot of the same shows. And this was when I had moved over to Green Tech Media as editor-in-chief. And Jigger said to me, hey, this show, The Slate Political Gab Fest, it was actually one of the first political roundtable shows. Um, he said, Let, let's try a show like that for energy and clean tech. And so... We had been recently working with our other co-host, Catherine Hamilton of 38 North Solutions, and uh, we had been working with her on a different project, and we said, well, she'd be perfect as the other host. And the three of us got together and just created a very simple format. Choose three topics in the news that are in the world of energy sustainability with a business focus and debate and discuss those topics and create tension and narrative and try to make it as exciting as possible and try to figure out in real time alongside our audience, how this stuff is working and how it might play out. And so that is how the Energy Gang got formed. And it, it really took off. And I think because we were a first mover, it helped us get a pretty significant audience in this space. And then a couple years later, we launched the Interchange with a slightly different focus, which was, uh, let's dig deep into one particular subject and try to work through the wonk in real time. You know, the subject matter that we have to tackle and when, as we consider what it will take to decarbonize the world is very complicated, but how can we take those subjects and make them as accessible as possible, but really lean into the wonk at the same time? And and so that became sort of a an interview and discussion show with uh, my co-host, Shail Khan, that uh, ha is a slightly different format from the Energy Gang. But those are, those are the two origin stories of those two podcasts. And I think people have really responded to them. Yeah, well, I know. I think I started listening to the Energy Gang maybe in 2016 and, and worked my way through the back, back catalog. I remember doing a bunch of yard work and you know just binging on them for a while, um, and I really appreciated you know the different perspectives that you and as more of a journalist and then Jigger as an entrepreneur and Catherine coming from more of a policy background, although she's got some serious technical chops as well. Um, but it, I you know I found it for me to be just a great education in, in working through all those shows, even listening to kind of like how the news had evolved over time. You know, you would think a weekly news show format would not be great to listen to the back catalog, but I actually found it fascinating because it was kind of like a run of the history as I worked all the way through the through the catalog. Um, and then with the interchange, yeah, I've really appreciated the wonk. And I think having listened to all the Energy Gang first kind of got me ready for some of the technical details you get into, as well as Chris Nelder's uh, The Energy Transition Show. We have, he's also going to be featured on this episode. Um, I think between the two of them, it's helped me keep up with what you guys are talking about, but really fascinating stuff. 
Thank you. I'm honored. And when I hear feedback like that, it makes the show that much more fun to produce because people do respond to it. And, you know, we're trying to figure this stuff out in real time like everybody else. And if we can provide a narrative and some perspective and help people think through the issues and how they're evolving over time, then we're doing our job, even if people disagree with us. We want people to disagree with us. We just want to provide a sounding board and to work through these complicated issues together. One of the things I liked recently you guys did on the interchange was your drawdown gamification approach. Can can you talk a little bit about that and how you're trying to bring some of these topics in in a little more fun format? Yeah. So on the interchange, we try to gamify these topics as much as possible. So if you think about things like, would you rather, you know, we come up with fantasy scenarios and then debate them. Um, we have done shows where we take bets on the future and think through future scenarios from a decade out to a couple of hundred years out. And then we pose different scenarios and then take bets on whether or not we think that will play out. Uh, in the case that you're mentioning, we did a fantasy sports draft for decarbonization technologies. And that was our second draft. Last year, we put together... Uh, a fantasy sports draft that followed simple rules for fantasy sports. And we had to develop a portfolio of decarbonization technologies and then have our listeners choose who was the winner. Now, Shale, my co-host, has a lot more experience in fantasy sports. So he wiped (laughs) the floor with me that first time. And the second time around, we said, let's find a different place to get our solutions and technologies. So we went to this organization called Project Drawdown, which catalogs every type of decarbonization solution, both process solution, business model solution, and technology solution. And so we said, let's take this list, we'll take the scoring off, and then we'll choose from the list our team of fantasy solutions, and then we'll look at the scoring and determine who wins. Uh, Shale beat me narrowly because of some steals in, in that episode. We, we got to steal each other's uh, picks at the, at the very end of the draft. But what we're trying to do there is just take a somewhat dry list, a very important and well-researched list, but somewhat dry, and make it fun for people and try to encourage other people to do something similar. When we did our first draft, other people, uh, someone in uh, Scandinavia, a bunch of people in the U.S., actually put together their own drafts in different ways. And if you can create this resource that people respond to, and then it motivates them to try something new, and you can educate other people about the solutions and engage them on a different level, it can really help have a greater impact. And that's what we're trying to do. Well, it was great. You even got one of the authors of Drawdown to come and talk about the draft after you had done it. So it kind of came full circle, I guess, right? Yeah, that's Catherine Wilkinson, who is the VP of Communications, who actually had a role in crafting that list and writing the book that the list is based on. And she was really fantastic. And she listened to the draft and then responded to us and told us who she thought won. And it was really nice to hear the expert behind the numbers and choices. Well, knowing how much time and effort people put into sports, I think it's great that you're doing the same thing for clean energy. So well done. Thank you. Um, So moving on, I I know there are two other podcasts I think you've at least had a hand in that you only get two for this list, but we'll have to mention these two. So maybe you get you know, partial credit for two more. One is one that with Emily Kirsch from Powerhouse, um, you guys do a series called What It Takes. And I guess maybe they have their own feed as well, but you guys release their shows. Which, do you want to talk about that for a second? 
Yeah, we produce What It Takes in partnership with Powerhouse, which is uh, an incubator, an accelerator, an investment fund based in Oakland. Emily Kirsch, who is the CEO of Powerhouse, hosts that show. And we are the sole distributor of that show. So we post it on the Energy Gang feed. And she sits down with um, founders of companies that are well-known, some lesser known, to talk about what makes them tick, their early years, how they got into starting a company, their problems, the way that they solve those problems, pretty much anything that you would encounter as a founder or entrepreneur, we tackle with them. And you know, people are really hungry for these stories because you have so many folks who are trying to get into clean tech. They want to found their own companies. They're looking at what's happening in, you know, consumer tech and saying, I want to I want to get into clean tech. I need to do something with a real impact. And it can be hard to enter this space. And so giving people a resource so that they can learn from other entrepreneurs and what they got right and wrong is really important. And Emily does a great job interviewing folks and doing these deep dive backgrounds with them. So we really like doing that show with them. And that's a live interview series. They do these events, hold these events around them, and then we edit and distribute the shows. It's always impressive how she can get successful CEOs to tell you what their spirit animal is at the end of the episode. So that's just a testament to how great her interview <laughs> skills are. Uh, well, the other one that I know you had, I guess, maybe a hand in and, and I listen to on a regular basis is uh, Julia Piper's podcast, Political Climate. I think that was launched through your feed originally. And I know you were colleagues at Green Tech Media for a while, but um, can you tell us anything about that show? Sure. Yeah, that's a, a similar format. Three co-hosts. They're debating the latest political news, one Republican, one Democrat, and one journalist. And they really wanted to cut through a lot of the politics of climate change and try to bring in you know, different, unique perspectives on how we can effectively address the political stalemate in the politics of clean energy and climate change. So Julia had been doing a Facebook Live show with her two co-hosts when we were at Green Tech Media, and it didn't get a ton of traction, but it was very clear that they had a really good rapport between the co-hosts. And so we worked together to turn it into a podcast, and we kind of worked through the equipment setup and the topics and the format and dialed it in, worked through the editing process, and then they went and launched the sh relaunched the show and spun it off on their own. And Green Tech Media still distributes the show, uh, although it's produced independently now. So yeah, uh, I have my hand in a lot of different shows for sure. Well, that's great. Well, I, I think you're up to, by my count, at least you know four or 500 episodes that you've had a hand in, at least that I've listened to. And that's probably not counting anything that happened pre-Energy Gang, but super impressive volume of content and the quality that you've helped create over the last couple of years. Um, one question I have before I let you go, you know, as we're trying to explore new podcasts for people to listen to, what are some of the ones that you listen to beyond the ones we've already mentioned today? Yeah, so I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I have to admit that although I am deeply ingrained in the world of energy and climate and sustainability, I don't listen to a ton of podcasts in that realm, not because they aren't fantastic, but because I have to find another outlet for my interests, and podcasts are a great way to do that. So I tend to listen to uh, tech news and politics shows just because you know, if I'm reading something, I usually want it to be nonfiction and similar in the podcasting world. So one show I really love recently is Reset from Vox. It's a new tech show hosted by a reporter, uh, former vice reporter, Ariel Doom Ross. And it 
really just looks at how technology is infiltrating our lives. And it's not a traditional tech show like, oh, what gadget is out? Uh, let's review the latest iteration of a piece of software from a company. It's all about the unique ways that technology is integrated into our lives. And they do such a good job of spinning a narrative out of different interviews and, and really tapping into the issues of the day. And I am completely fascinated with the way tech changes who we are as people and the way that we interact with each other and the way that our organizations and our communities are run. And, you know, that's a topic that's, that's fraught for sure. I also love a lot of the daily shows that are out there. The most popular, of course, being the New York Times, The Daily. They just do such a good job of making the news into a suspenseful serial show. Every day I have to tune in. Even though I'm burnt out by the news cycle, I have to tune in because they make each news story that they've focused on very rich. And I just feel like I'm listening to an, a never-ending serial show. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, and I listen to a lot of roundtable shows as well. So the Slate Political Gab Fest. Uh, I listen to the 538 Politics show. I listen to the Crooked Media shows. I, I tend to like the the roundtable style shows that help you di- digest news. Well, no, that's great. And I, I think what I've learned after getting into podcasts um, and both you know being a podcaster and listening to podcasts is just how much content is out there. And I really love the format because it gives people the space to really you know expand on their ideas and dig into topics in a way that you just can't do in a, you know, a more cable news format. So thank you, Stephen, very much for taking the time to talk to us about your, your shows. Keep up the great work. And uh, we hope we will send many list- new listeners your way to enjoy all the great content that you're putting out there. Dave, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And you all keep doing what you're doing too because this ecosystem is really getting richer and richer by the day. It's so awesome to see many shows popping up because it's important that people find shows that are relevant to their interests. Podcasts are so unique because you can learn so much from these conversations. And I'm really glad to see shows like yours having an impact on the broader podcast ecosystem. So thanks again for having me on. I appreciate it. Excellent. Thank you. We got another great recommendation, a few in fact, from someone who has been on our podcast before. Here is Brian Campbell of Central College in Pella, Iowa, to share some of his favorite podcasts, as well as his own project. This is Brian Campbell, and I'm the Director of Sustainability Education at Central College in Pella, Iowa. I've got several favorites. Sustainable Nation podcast is a great mix of interviews with sustainability professionals from higher ed, business, and local government. It's been a great way for me to learn about people in different sectors. And I'll also give a shout out to Compact Nation. It's a higher ed podcast geared towards civic engagement professionals. And I think there's a lot we can learn from these colleagues and how they've worked to transform higher ed over the last decades. Last but not least, I recently launched a podcast called Mid-Americana, Stories from a Changing Midwest. The show is about sense of place and the regional history and identity here in the heartland and how we're shaping a more sustainable future here, culturally, politically, and ecologically. There are interviews with leaders in local foods, green business, sustainable agriculture, and more. So I hope you'll check it out at midamericana.com. Thanks to Brian for sharing his favorites and for sharing his own work. That's it for this episode, and we want to thank Amber, 
Nate, Chris, and Steven for being on the show, as well as our listeners who sent in recommendations. We got many more recommendations that couldn't fit all in the show, so we have compiled a list that is available with the show on our website, campusenergypodcast.com. If the ones discussed in this episode intrigued you, you can find them on that list, as well as many others. You can find our show on Twitter, where we are at Energy Podcast, or on LinkedIn. Just search Campus Energy and Sustainability Podcast. If you'd like to support our work, please consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes or refer a friend. As always, thanks for listening.